Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest this week is Vajda Vibur, the co-founder of Vibrate Music Analytics. First of all, do you know what the eight best social media platforms are to market your music? Well, of course, this changes every year, but for 2021, this is what they've determined. It's Facebook, followed by Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, Reddit, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Snapchat. And here's why. Facebook is so big that it has 60% of all social users. On Instagram, 62% of the users log in at least once a day, but 14% of United States adults haven't heard of the platform, if you can imagine that. TikTok has tremendous user engagement, 52 minutes every day. 41% of users are between the ages of 16 and 24. So if that's the age group that your music is aimed at, that's the place to be. On the other hand, Pinterest, 70% of the users are female. So once again, if you're aiming just to female users, that's where you want to take a look at. 50% of Reddit's users come from the United States. And what I found pretty interesting is 1.4 billion videos are watched per month on the platform. I had no idea. Twitter skews a lot older, 64% between the ages of 35 and 65, and 10 times more engagement on tweets that have videos. That pretty much correlates to every other platform. LinkedIn has higher than average income, and pretty much everyone is college educated. And Snapchat, amazingly, the users open it up 30 times per day. So when it comes down to it, you should use the platform where most of your audience is. There's no sense using a platform just because it's particularly popular. You really want to be where your audience is. But look at these eight first. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Don't forget about my music mixing primer and 101 mixing tricks programs that will help take your mixes to the next level. Go to bobbyosinskicourses.com to learn more. Now, we're all familiar with Behringer, the company that makes relatively inexpensive audio gear. As a matter of fact, they probably transformed the audio business and the semi-professional audio business because they were the first to actually have their equipment manufactured in China. Now, in fact, they were notorious for copying other designs really closely and then kind of daring other manufacturers to sue them. There was one case in particular where when you opened up the circuit board, it actually had the name of the original manufacturer on it. Now, all that being said, the company was about to release something that was called the UBXA, and they were going to call it the Behringer Oberheim UBXA. You might remember Oberheim synthesizers. In the 80s, they were really popular, basically because they were really big and fat-sounding. People still love their sounds. Since then, Oberheim has gone through all sorts of different owners. The last one was Gibson. And Gibson was actually kind enough to give the trademark back to Tom Oberheim, the founder. Behringer was going to come out with their own brand called Behringer Oberheim. And they actually tried to copyright Behringer Oberheim. Tom Oberheim took him to court, and what ended up happening is the United States Patent and Trademark Office 
rejected the claim. And what they said was, Tom Oberheim is a famous audio engineer and electronics engineer, well-known for designing effects processors, analog synthesizers, sequencers, and drum machines. The evidence indicates that due to his fame in the relevant electronic music instrument industry, the surname Oberheim uniquely and unmistakably points to Tom Oberheim, and a connection with Tom Oberheim will be presumed when applicant's mark is used on its goods. So therefore, it was rejected. So you think this would be cut and dried, but it's not. It turns out that Behringer actually won a similar case in Germany against Gibson when they owned the trademark. So now there's actually two owners of this particular trademark. And to make it even more complicated, Sequential Circuits came out with their own synthesizer with Tom Oberheim in 2016 called the OB6. And surprise, they just filed for the trademark Oberheim as well. So in the United States, Tom Oberheim owns this. If you look at the Behringer website, they claim they own it. And who knows what's going to happen with this new synthesizer. I don't know anybody that's heard it. Don't know if it sounds good or not. All I know is Oberheim synthesizers, the original ones, really sounded big and fat. If you wanted an analog sound, Oberheim and sequential circuits were kind of the top tier so let's hope this gets straightened out. Let's hope that Tom Oberheim continues to hold the trademark, at least to his own name. My guest this week is Vajda Vibur, the co-founder of Vibrate, a platform that gives artists important analytics about musical trends, events, venues, and festivals. It makes performing acts life easier by giving them a better version of an EPK or even a traditional website. Vibrate features over a million profiles of musicians, venues, events, and festivals, and employs over 100 people all over the world. Vajda is also the manager of techno artist Umek. In his spare time, he consults with the government of Slovenia in the field of sharing economy legislation. During the interview, we spoke about the importance of clean data, the latest way for artists to get to their fans, pitching his idea to Silicon Valley, and much more. I spoke of Vasya via Zoom from his office in Ljubljana, Slovenia. Let's talk about you and how you got into the music business. So yeah, it's, I've been in the music business for, I'll say, over 12 years now. Uh, so we started as a manage, music management company, uh, and I still manage one of the biggest techno DJs in the world, Umek. Um, currently his, I think his top three, um, best-selling producer on Beatport, um, on peak of his career, um, before the pandemic, obviously, um, he had up to 120 gigs per year. So we learned a lot from that business and we actually started vibrate because of the problems that we faced as music managers, because back, um, a couple of years ago. Uh, we were investing heavily into online advertising. Uh, back then, it was still MySpace and, and even Google Plus, um, and Facebook was the hottest uh, network to be at, to be on. And we were putting up to one hundred twenty thousand dollars per year into advertising without knowing how this actually influenced his career. So, did he get more popular because of those ads? But the, because of those investments. And there was basically no tool that would allow us to monitor his career and compare him with other similar artists. And that's why we started 
the startups. So now today we're measuring online popularity for pretty much every musician in the world. So we have roughly half a million unique profiles uh, of musicians from all genres. Uh, we also have 150,000 venues, 5,000 festivals. Uh, before the pandemic, we used to feature around half a million events at any given moment in our database through feeds from Ticketmaster and Eventbrite, event, event team, all, all those major ticket providers. This is not the case right now because the event, events are banned all over the, uh, the world. Um, and yeah, we analyze around a billion data points each day. Uh, and then we create all kinds of different charts. Um, each artist gets their own dashboard uh, where they can track their popularity across different streaming and social channels. Uh, we're looking into how they're endorsing each other, how they're following each other. Uh, we analyze their events, um, and it's it's pretty much, it's really thorough. So, Vibrate profile, the, the analytics Vibrate profile. Um, the artist uh, is similar to Google Analytics profile of a website. Uh, and then we can we can rank artists according to different um, KPIs. Um, you can you can filter charts by genre, by subgenre, by country, or the combination of all of them. And you can create all kinds of really exotic charts. So if if you want to know who's the who's the biggest rap star in Mongolia, we can tell you this. When you first started, though, you didn't start this as a company. You started this just to get more information about your artist, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was actually a funny story. So uh, it was a pet project. Uh, and at the beginning, we started only with electronic music artists because this is our background. And uh, we set up a very simple website. It was only measuring uh, the followers. Right now, we measure all kinds of data. But then we're just measuring the followers. And we entered the first thousand DJs by hand. We just manually entered them. And then we decided to open up the database so fans could add uh, artists that they liked or artists could add themselves. And in a year and a half, we ended up with 30,000 user-generated profiles. Uh, and that was, that was the proof that, that we're doing something right. Uh, and then we, uh, my wife and I moved to Silicon Valley for four months trying to raise our next round and we just failed miserably <laughs> because we were way too too early for, for Silicon Valley. We just had a prototype without any revenue. Uh, it was it was an interesting story, but it wasn't a successful one. So what we did is because we didn't have any connections in the valley, so no one was picking up the phone or answering our emails, we just rented a car and we just went crashing offices unannounced. We just went there Hey, so we're the startup from Eastern Europe. This is our pitch. And at first, it was it was pretty awkward. But then we found out that investors really liked the hustle. They said, "This is a breath of fresh air because we're used to spoiled Silicon Valley startups that would do anything to get at least three intros, make make us uncomfortable because before they come to to the meeting." And here we are, just storming into our offices during a meeting, just delivering the pitch. Um, so we, we got a couple of contacts, but we didn't race around there. So we went back to Europe and then we managed to, to get our financing and to get where we are now. So none of the financing came from Silicon Valley then? No, not yet. Not yet. That's the key word. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, 
The thing is that, uh, first of all, you need at least $100,000 uh, of monthly recurring revenue, and we're still early, uh, so we don't have that. And the second thing is that they are really afraid of investing in anything related to music because we all know how long Spotify, the biggest company in the music industry, needed uh, to get profitable. So it's a tough business. Uh, although we, I always say, we're a data company that happens to work in music. So it's, I, I see this as a data uh, business, not so much as a, as a music business. Because well, that's good us, because then you can, what kind of data we get. Yeah, you can talk about scaling then, if that's the case, which that's a good buzzword yeah, well, for them. Yeah, we, 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 we get this a lot. So why don't you measure actors or stand-up comedians? Uh, it's, the thing is that you need domain knowledge in order to know what is important in, in each industry. So in, in music, of course, streaming services play a major role, which is not the case in the movie industry. But we don't know what, what, uh, what's the biggest thing in, in, in movie industry. So we want to stick to music. One of the problems I think that investors have with any music companies, especially if you're talking about streaming, is the fact that the licensing is so difficult and expensive to get. Does that enter into anything that you're doing where there is licensing involved? Since it's data from artists and data from private people, many are public, many are private. So how does that work? So we don't publish any licensed content. So you cannot upload any tracks or videos. We, we tap into public APIs. So uh, we're analyzing um, information about public figures from public sources. So we don't have any, any, any kind of private uh, access. Um, the only thing that we have custom right now uh, are the feeds from ticket providers. But this is, again, this is just a, a, a bunch of names from the lineup and information about the, the venue. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's, it's all public. Plus, we let artists claim their profiles. So if, if you're an artist and your fan uh, adds your profile on Vibrate, you can, get, you can come to Vibrate and say, hey, this is my profile, and we're going to verify you through a very simple process. So you have to put a piece of content on one of your official channels which proves that you control whether you're Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Uh, and then we'll let you claim your profile and then, then you can have it. Some, some artists use it instead of their website because it has all the content there. It's, it's automatically sourced from external sources so you don't even have to update it. Uh, and, and so far we didn't have any problems. Uh, we're discussing working with majors. Uh, we presented presented it to a bunch of publishers and labels and they they didn't have a problem with that at all most of all because we don't have any any copyrighted content is this mostly for artists or would this mostly be on the label publishing side well for artists first of all they can analyze how, how they're doing they can compare themselves with similar artists we even let them know who the similar artists are if, if they're not familiar with the whole uh, wider circle. That's helpful. Yeah, it is. Um, and then for labels, um, it's a great tool for A&R, so you can discover new talent. Uh, we, we also feature trends, so we'll, we'll tell you who are the rising artists in each genre or in each country. 
uh, based on our, on our metrics. And if, if you're a label A&R and if you want to get new talent before others do, you can simply check who are, who are rising artists in, in your channel. You can contact them. Um, and the same goes for agents. So agency also agencies want to sign talent before the big guys get them. And this is a, a great resource for discovering artists. Um, and for promoters, uh, we'll, we'll show you, as if you're a promoter, let's say from New York, obviously you want to book artists who are popular in New York. And based on geographic data from streaming services, we'll let you know what people from New York are mostly listening to within your genre. Um, so maybe New York is not the best uh, example because it's a huge city. So it's, it's mostly going to sell out for uh, if, if you book anyone who's even remotely known, uh, you get a big, big chance of success. But uh, for smaller cities, for I don't know, for European cities with um, with smaller population, that's a big asset because it's just if if you if you if you book a wrong headliner, you can have a hundred people in a club that accepts fifteen hundred people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is because we, we found out that if it doesn't matter if where the artist is coming from, it matters where the fans are coming from, and we now have this information through data from streaming sites. One of the big problems with any kind of data is how clean it is. If you don't have good data, then nothing matters. So if you have fans that are entering data for their favorite artist, again, how clean is that? Yeah, that's, uh, we have we actually have the cleanest data set in class. So uh, we, we don't rely on scraping when building our database. That's why we went to crowdsourcing. And so fans will add, you're right, they will add all kinds of information that it's, that is not correct and it's fake and they're just going to do all kinds of uh, um, stuff there. And we, that's why we have a database curation team. Um, we have 20 people in office in Ljubljana, plus we have uh, 100 more across the world, just part-time. And they, they have a huge system we're building it for last four years that will push the content the the um the contributors are putting online they will push it to to their accounts and they then check it and clean it and say and and check if it's already in the database if the links are correct so it's it's not the most pleasant work in the world but for for some countries that have a lower standard for those people, this is this is their main job. So we have a lot of contributors coming out of Venezuela because we all know that the uh, current economic situation there is really bad. And they they found a, an opportunity to get a job on Vibrate remotely just being music experts. So Venezuela has a lot of music experts now because they, they're checking information about musicians from all over the world. And the interesting thing is that they get paid in crypto mm. uh, although it is a volatile um currency it's still not as volatile as their own uh country currency so it's 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 turned out to be a huge success and we like i said we have almost half a million unique profiles 
this is not the case with with most of other services that that gather musician databases because they have a lot of profiles that are just spelled differently for the same artist, and that just makes it impossible to do any kind of serious analysis because you it you don't have the data pointing to one single profile, uh, and we this is one of if not the most the highest priority uh, at Vibrate to have the, the cleanest data. With so much data coming in, you must be able to spot trends fairly early. Mm-hmm. So what are you seeing? So for it's the interesting thing is that right it used to be a couple of years ago, Facebook used to be the hottest uh, network to be on. If you're a musician, you're building your fan base on Facebook. Not anymore. It's it's been so. Uh, it went slowly from Facebook to Instagram. Fans slowly switched then there, and now they're switching to streaming channels, including YouTube. So with the arrival of YouTube Music, a lot of attention switched to YouTube, and kids listen their music through YouTube, and also Spotify. So streaming channels are now becoming the prevailing channel to get to your fans, not, not social media anymore. We don't know yet about TikTok because we just started uh, gathering their data a couple of weeks ago, but it's definitely one of the hottest uh, channels right now as well. Is there a trend or is there a data point that you find that's particularly useful or interesting that no one else is aware of? Yeah, we have we have a special feature. Uh, we call it um, network respect. So uh, actually, our analytics engine can go into can dive into millions of followers an artist has across different channels, and then it will recognize followers that are also musicians, and we have them in our database. And this is how we know how artists are following each other. What what this is important is because this also influences the artist's profile. So I usually say, for example, if you have a small rock band and you're playing your music in your garage and you're putting your, you're putting your stuff on YouTube, on SoundCloud, uh, you have your channel, Spotify, and then all of a sudden you get followed by Metallica on Twitter. So they saw you and say, said, okay, but those guys are interesting. Let's, let's follow them. And this means that you got spotted. This is an extreme example. It, it doesn't go like that. Yeah. Uh, but it, you're, you're slowly building your database. So you have, on one side, you have fans who are following you, and then you have musicians who are following you. And as your career grows, the profile of those musicians is getting bigger and bigger. And this is also something that we include in our, in our calculations. Uh, so if you have huge musicians following you, your profile is going to go up. The same goes for venues. So we also profile venues. If, if a small bar in Hollywood all of a sudden gets hot uh, among, among big, uh, big bands and they just play there for fun because it's just it's, it's a trend thing to do, this venue's profile is going to go up. And then it influences artists back. So and if you're a small artist and then you play that same venue, they just hosted Coldplay the day before, and your profile is going to go up. And this is how the, the entire database is, is connected and, and the, the points are called calculated. So in a way, you're measuring influencers. I hate to use that word, 
not an influencer in the TikTok sense or, or the Instagram sense, but it's a, a high-profile musician that likes a lower-profile musician as an influencer, and, and you're measuring yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. Is this difficult for musicians, artists actually, to subscribe to? Is, it, this sounds like an expensive service. No, it's it's actually not as it's really cheap actually. So we if if you're an artist and you claim your profile vibrates, you get to analyze your own profile for free. But you don't get to see what others are doing. But if you want to also check others, then we have a special tailor-made package for artists that will cost cost $20 per month. And then you get to analyze yourself plus 50 other profiles and it has some limited features. So accounts go from free all the way to $100 a month. And that's, that's the top price. And for 100 bucks a month, you get everything that we have. So the Spotify analytics, social media analytics, uh, YouTube is coming. Then we have Beatport for, for electronic music artists, um, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, everything that, that's popular right now. Uh, we, we try to include in our, in our metrics. Is your database machine learning based or or is it just a number cruncher well it is the algorithm is actually constantly evolving it it depends on a number of inputs that it gets so the size of the analyzed network um the the number of total likes that we analyze from all artists together and this is constantly changing each second it's changing so because in order to come up with a single popularity metric that's derived from all those different channels, all those different KPIs, you have to somehow normalize the data. And this is, this is why you have to have learning algorithms uh, because networks are, are growing or, or falling down or people are switching from one network to another. And that's why you have to constantly uh, change the, the, the methods. And it, it has to be done automatically. So, yeah, it is. It is. I, I usually want to stay away from AI <laughs> because for, for me, I mean, there's a clear definition of what AI means. And people are just throwing this word around like it's, it's something. It, it hasn't been discovered yet, if you yeah. ask me. So, it, yeah, it is a machine learning, big data algorithm. Uh, that's analyzing this and yeah it's it just requires more and more hardware today and it's just getting more and more expensive yeah that it's like blockchain it's the same same thing same term ai and blockchain it's like people throw those around yeah it is yeah blockchain actually uh, blockchain is a huge part of vibrate so as i said our, our contributors got paid in crypto um and and we also have a bunch of blockchain features in the pipeline. Uh, we wanted to implement those a couple of years ago, but then we all know that the bubble exploded. So no one wanted to hear about blockchain for a couple of years. And now when Bitcoin is already on, is again on, on the all-time high, people are again starting to, to get to know blockchain and, and want to know what's behind, what, what the, the technology is all about. And... The, actually, the initial idea for Vibrate was to create marketplace for artists, like Airbnb for musicians. But in order to populate the platform, because all marketplaces have a chicken and egg problem, so you don't get 
customers, so you, get, you didn't get the demand if you don't have the supply and vice versa. So the idea was to first offer them an analytics service so they would just use it to, to discover the, the entire music e- ecosystem and the players within it. And then we're going to gradually in, um, offer um, marketplace features. So we already have one profile, the profile of our co-founder that has a booking button uh, on a website. So you can, you can book them, you can book him through Vibrate. And so how we want to want to include blockchain is, first of all, we want to automate the entire contracting process. Uh, and you can do this with smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain. And second of all, which I think it's even more important, is we want to offer decentralized escrow. Because we all know how it is in the music business. If you're a huge superstar, you want to get paid up front. And your agent is going to take care of this. But if you're a small player without an agent, you represent yourself, you usually get paid after the gig or don't get paid at all. Because if, if they don't sell enough drinks or tickets, they're going to say, yeah, well, it didn't go well. So we, we agreed on $1,000. How about I give you 500 And this, this is why uh, we think that escrow is a really important feature to, to make the entire thing fair. And at first, we wanted to offer just traditional escrow. And then the regulators in our country said, no, you need a banking license to do that. Then we found out that we would need a banking license for each country that we wanted to operate in. That would be impossible. It would cost hundreds of millions. But if, if you do this on a blockchain, because it's decentralized, you don't have a central authority holding the funds because they're held on a blockchain, decentralized, and we don't hold the funds. But as soon as everything is okay, so I, you hire me to DJ at a wedding, I, uh, we agree on a fee, then you send the, the fee in the escrow, and after I play a wedding, everything is okay, the funds get automatically released to me, and that's it. So you're protected. So if case, in case I don't show up, I don't get the money, and in case you, you don't want to pay me, I'll still get the money because it's, it's in escrow. So this is a part of our blockchain features, but we right now we have a couple of ideas also around copywriting and it just ideas are just popping up, but we, we want to keep focus right now to finish what we started within the analytics uh, sector and then we're going we're gonna to implement additional features. Yeah, it, what I found uh, for a few years, and, and you know this as well, where every company, especially startups, are saying, blockchain, we have something. Blockchain is going to change yeah. the music <laughs> industry. And it would have been better just like instead of you saying, well, we have this blockchain feature, it's, well, we have this escrow feature. And it just so happens the underlying technology is is based on blockchain, if anybody cares. So, yeah, that mm-hmm. tends to work better. That's the thing with blockchain. That's that's why the technology isn't still isn't widely used because it's not very much user friendly, um, and people just don't want to use it. Plus, yeah, you, you're right. Every startup is throwing this word around, and honestly, a lot of features that they want to put on blockchain are working perfectly fine without blockchain. But some of the features, so escrow is one of, in my opinion, is one of the most, it's one of the best features that blockchain can, can offer because you, you can just bypass all the regulations, all the, all the licenses. And it's, it's all, I mean, it, 
you even don't need those regulations because you don't control the funds. Regulators want you to get all the licenses. They want to vet you because they need to trust you that you're gonna you're gonna be honest with uh, with your users. You're not you're not gonna steal the funds. Uh, but in case of decentralized blockchain, even if you want to steal the funds, you cannot do this. Speaking of government regulators, I read somewhere that you were consulting with your government about the sharing yeah. economy. <laughs> yeah, we we used to do this actually. Yeah, sharing economy was just my pet project, and it was just uh, I I actually start. I wanted to rent an apartment on Airbnb, and then I figured out I cannot do that because the all the bureaucracy. So I started uh, writing to members of parliament with with my suggestion on how to solve this thing. And all of a sudden, it, I just created a movement because everybody had the same problem. And you know how politicians are. Once it, you get in the media, they want to they want to take pictures <laughs> with you, and and they want to. <laughs> They want to be in primetime news discussing uh, a very big problem that the people have. So yeah, that was that was just a small bad project that got really big. And we actually managed to solve a lot of bureaucracy problems here in Slovenia with sharing um, economy. But we also advised our government on blockchain technology, uh, and actually our prime minister visited our offices. Um, with the members of the government. So in Slovenia, prime minister is like a president in the United States. So he he actually runs the country, not the president. Yeah. President is like the queen of England. Um, so we had, yeah, we hosted the, the entire government in our offices. Um, we had a lecture about what blockchain technology is, um, all the traps of blockchain technology, all the buzzwords like we were just discussing. Uh, and then they invited us to to Davos, to the World Economic Forum with them. So we had a couple of panels there. It was quite interesting, but sadly, two months after that, the prime minister resigned. And mm. it just, so it, it stayed with that. Yeah, that's the problem, I think, everywhere. I mean, artists have that with, with record labels where, you, you know, you have someone who's your champion and then they're not there and everything kind of stops. So yeah, that happens everywhere, really. What was the most difficult thing for you to get Vibrate together? This, this seems like a really big venture. There's a lot going on here. This couldn't have been easy. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, at first, when you move from just being a pet project to being a full-time project, that means that you have to put other work aside that, that brings money to the table. So you need to find financing. And we needed to learn how to pitch to investors. We need to do this, everything from scratch. And we were, we were at least... 10 or 15 years older than an average f- startup founder. So we're like, what are those old farts doing here? Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, we went in an accelerator. But yeah, we, we, we learned how to do this. Um, and we, we actually raised our first seed round, our angel round, uh, pretty fast after just one pitch. And an interesting thing is that our biggest angel investor doesn't have a clue about music industry because he just happens to be one of the one of the most successful nuclear physicists in the world. So he specializes in controllers for particle accelerators, you know, the thing that have in CERN. So he produces controllers for those big things. So it's it's just it's a completely different industry. But 
he's well, he's a genius, so he's a really smart physicist. And he just knows business. He said, yeah, well, I, I heard your pitch. I said, this is a good team. I don't know anything about the business, but I, I see that you guys know what you're doing. So I wanted to invest in you. Uh, so yeah, financing was was hard, especially the Silicon Valley part. And then when we raised our next round, which was $10.7 million, we needed to expand fast uh, because at the beginning, we were just five people in the office. And then we needed to employ a bunch of people, the, so the entire team. So in we we moved to new offices in two months. So we needed we just ran with completely empty offices and needed to fully furnish it in two months in order to accommodate the team. And we hired. So we went from from five people to twelve, and then from twelve to sixty, in just a matter of weeks. And this is maybe. An easy task if you live in a big country, but Slovenia is a small country, so we have uh, we have two million people in the whole country. It's almost impossible to get engineers, designers, uh, UX designers, product managers, uh, marketing people because you 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 have to steal it from other companies. And uh, in Slovenia, we used to have we still have a couple of really. Uh, really successful and rich startups. So one of the, the biggest startups was the creator of uh, the Talking Tom application. If you have kids, you probably know it's it's a cat that you talk to. Yeah. And they just sold the app in billions. And they were full of money. So every good engineer that popped up, they, they immediately hired them. And it was impossible for us to compete with a salary because they were just full of money and we're just an early stage startup. So we said, okay, let's we cannot compete with that, but we can compete with how our offices are going to look like and what we're going to offer. So we invested money into a driving simulator that was just moving as you were driving. We then throw it away because people were throwing up. They were sick because it was so realistic. <laughs> and we had a shooting range so it, with BB guns in the office. So if, if you needed to vent, you just close yourself in the shooting range. You shot some rounds in targets, and it was it was a nice thing to to vent. We have a pool table. Later on, we had to uh, remove the shooting range because we need space for for additional uh, people and for conference room. We threw out the driving simulator, so now we're just like anyone else. But we got we got the staff that we needed. Wow, good story. Last question: What's the best piece of business advice? that maybe you learned along the way or somebody imparted to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe it's, it's actually a cultural difference that as a, as a European founder, you have to know this before you go and talk to anyone from the US. It's, it's one, one of the, the, the biggest cultural differences that I, that I noticed was if you pitch or if you explain uh, your company to a European investor or a client. And if they don't like it, they're going to tell they don't like it. Or, yeah, well, it's not for me. Good luck with that. I'm, I'm not going to be a client or I'm not going to invest in you because of this and that. If you go to the US, everybody's going to say, well, that's interesting. Even if they think it's complete crap. And this is a really important thing. If you're not, if you're not aware of that, and if you go there as we did, 
we saw that everybody likes our idea, so that we're going to be really successful. But at the end, we learned that this is not true. So at the end, our pitch was our pitch finished with, okay, so how do you like the idea from interesting to here's the check? So interesting being the worst. And we laughed about it, and it was it was just a fun thing to to find out. But yeah, this was because I I, I then met a lot of European founders that came to the Valley and they were all excited saying, well, everybody likes our, our startup. Every, every, everybody said it, it's, it's really interesting what, what we're doing. And I said, okay, wait two weeks and then try to call them. <laughs> and, and two weeks say, okay, yeah, you were right. They, they're not even picking the, the, picking up the phone. It's the same thing in, in the music business. You, you go see someone at a label, an A&R person, and they'll listen to it. Yeah, that's interesting. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to sign you. Yeah, exactly. You can find out more about Vajra and Vibrate at Vibrate.com. That's Vibrate, V-I-B-E-R-A-T-E.com. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. To listen to other episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyoinnercircle.com. Or you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At BobbyOsinski.com and BobbyOwnerCircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. Bobby Osinski.